0: What's up, it's Andrea. Today, it's Riker versus Riker. Worf wants it to hurt so good. And we ask the question, why is Chief O'Brien always hanging around?
1: Stay tuned to find out. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. I'm your co host, Andrea. Today we're talking season two, episode 14, entitled The
0: Icarus Factor. This episode was written by Robert McCulloch and David Assail and directed by Robert Iscove. Stardate 42686.4 Commander Riker is offered a command aboard the USS Ares, but his delight turns to frustration when the man sent to prepare him for his command is his estranged father. Meanwhile, Worf is romping around the ship, alienating people and biting people's heads off.
1: Not literally, not literally, because we know Klingons can get mighty feisty. (laughs) They sure can't. Charisse, do you have any initial thoughts on this episode? Yeah, I didn't love this episode and I also didn't hate this episode. Mm -hmm. It was very, very season two. Like, I'm pretty neutral about it. I did enjoy, which I was surprised by, seeing some backstory on Pulaski because, you know, I can't stand that lady but I was so fascinated. I was just like, tell me more (laughs) what else happened before you came to this ship. I I never considered that she did stuff before and like
0: all (laughs) this stuff. I was like, Oh, okay. It's kind of like, it's kind of like being a kid and running into like your teacher Mm -hmm. at a restaurant being like, you live outside the school. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Okay. I, I agree with you on that. I do like a little backstory. I think that Pulaski is, um, less hateable in this episode than maybe some of her others.
1: I agree. I don't think she's hateable at all in this episode. Yeah. Or maybe that's what kind of surprised me. I was yeah. Like, oh, I don't hate her. Yes. <laughs> you were you were delighted by how little you hated her. That's right. Uh,
0: <laughs> so here's my initial thought for this episode. Um and then I have many, many other thoughts, but for someone who keeps claiming he wants to be captain in record time, Riker sure doesn't
1: seem too excited to actually become captain. He doesn't. And I don't know if Riker's hesitation in this episode was because, you know, of his personal situation, like not trusting in himself and all of that, or if part of that was because his dad, Kyle Riker, was also there mudding the waters. And the reason why I say that is because he does get offered command multiple times, like throughout the mm-hmm. seasons. Mm-hmm. And he's always like, no, you know, this is my first duty. So that was a spoiler. Um, he's not going to leave. <laughs> he's going to be there for quite some time. Yes. But um, usually there's some reason why he can't take the ship or whatever. But in this case, there's this real like coming of age plot line going on between and it's parallel between Wharf and Riker, where they're both kind of trying to prove themselves as a man or something. And yeah. so I think part of him is like, I'm not sure if I'm ready. And then with his dad there, he's like, oh, and, and I have something to prove. So it's like forcing him to take the ship to prove something to his dad. But he himself doesn't necessarily want to take the ship. But now he feels like he has to, you know? So that's kind of where I, I was thinking like there's some conflict. I agree. Um,
0: I, I agree with you on that. Let, let's get into let's get into the episode and then we can kind of break down the beat by beat. But I definitely agree with you that number one, Kyle Riker being there was completely superfluous to the plot. Like he really mm-hmm and, and Will Riker said it himself. He's like, all this information could have just been sent in like a communique. Like, why are you Mm -hmm. actually here? Uh, and at no point in the episode, do we ever see any sort of briefing whatsoever (laughs) about what's going on with the Aries at no point are they like, all right, let's actually sit down and talk about the mission at hand. It's just a whole lot of angst.
1: Yeah. There's the moment when they're going to have the briefing and then he goes, here you go. And gives him that little chip with all the information. And it's like, well, I'm going to go study this in my room so I can have the briefing over. So we still don't know why his uh, how his mission was so dangerous and all of that, because I guess that wasn't the point. The point was more his relationship to his dad mm-hmm. and also that subplot of Worf's relationship to his self as a Klingon as well.
0: Starting off this episode, the Enterprise is headed to Starbase Montgomery and Geordi has some... Things that are getting checked over in engineering. Um, and and I love when they mention we'll be at Starbase Montgomery and Riker's like, oh, I didn't see that on the itinerary. And Picard says, I think we could all use a 12-hour layover, don't you? What? Who wants a 12-hour shore leave? Who wants a 12-hour shore leave? When you take shore leave, it's like, we need a break. 12 hours is it takes way more than 12 hours to get from like one starbase to another where you guys are just in transit and just kind of have like downtime. So mm-hmm. seriously, that was like, that was like trying to bill like your layover for four hours at the Phoenix airport as like uh-huh. a vacation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't no. It's more of an excursion, right? Like when you go on a cruise and then they're like, okay, now we're on this Island. You can get off for exactly six hours. It's kind of like that. And then get back on because okay. then we're going to leave you. Okay. Here. Okay. So it was, yeah, it definitely wasn't. A, it wasn't like let's all take a vacation. But when he said break, he meant break. Go take a break and come right back. <laughs> like go take a ten, and yep. I'm going to need mm-hmm. you. But but make it like a nice,
0: luxurious, restful ten, and then mm-hmm. come back. <laughs> yep, that's right. So. Picard asks to see Riker in the observation lounge. And Captain Picard says the USS Ares captain is retiring and they want to offer it to commander Riker in his place. And he's got this like strategic attache is coming to brief Riker because they're going into the like Vega Omicron system or what. I don't remember the name Mm -hmm. because it's going to be like months at maximum warp to get like way, 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 way out there. And then the attache comes and it's Kyle Riker Will Riker's dad in what I can only assume is the worst outfit that the 24th century could possibly have come up with. (laughs) It was this horrible onesie that was tight in all the wrong places. (laughs) It was so painful. And he spent, I don't know how long, I guess, I guess just the 12 hours there because he was in that one outfit the whole time. And Mm -hmm. it was awful. (laughs)
1: That's awful. (laughs) I didn't even notice his outfit. So I missed that. I did. I did notice the outfits when they had the fight at the end of the episode. And I was like, ooh, this is so American Gladiator. But yeah, I didn't notice. I didn't notice his outfit on the transporter pad, which I usually do because that's like their moment, you know, when the characters introduced. But I did think what was interesting was before he went to see his dad, he was talking to Picard and Picard was explaining why he was chosen. And he was just saying, like, you, you have a reputation as an explorer, um, with skills as an explorer and as a diplomat. And I was just like, wait a minute, as a diplomat, didn't he sleep with that ruler from Angel One? Like right <laughs> after their like talks were over. And then didn't he like threaten to like kidnap all their people so they wouldn't be murdered? I was like, what? <laughs> did we miss this episode where he was like this amazing diplomat, but okay. Um, and so, but I did, I did notice how proud Picard was of Riker and Picard's definitely like a father figure to everybody on the ship. Yep. And I just noticed how like proud he was and how Riker was like, okay, like, you know, this, this feels good. And then contrast that with dad showing up and just like no pride whatsoever, you know, and in either side, it's just awkward. It's distant. It's weird. Well, I'm actually, I'm going to, I'm going to argue with you on that because
0: on the, tr- in that transporter scene, Kyle Riker does say, I'm proud of you, son. Like you've made, you've made like a, lots of a name for yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I've worked hard. And if you'll excuse me, I have just about anywhere else I'd rather be than like mm-hmm. talking to you. There's a lot of animosity, but mm-hmm. yes, we do have Riker Contrasting his actual father, who's not a father figure to him, and Picard, who is, you know, he's kind of got somebody he can actually talk to. And unfortunately, it's not his dad, which we'll get into that in a minute. But
1: yeah, I mean, he does say he's proud, but like it doesn't look like it, right? Like his words and body language and everything else is just like not matching up in my book. And that could be because they have such an exchange relationship. Like, how do you even show pride to someone you barely know? yes and
0: and and Troy calls him out on it I mean I'm jumping far ahead and we'll get to it but troy does call Kyle Riker out on it she's like I think you need to consider why you're so competitive mm-hmm. with your son so there's a lot of competition um it's it's very very childish in that like idea where you don't want to give someone a compliment because you feel like it's going to take away from your abilities in some weird way it's like no, dude, there's plenty to go around. Like Mm -hmm. you can, you can be competitive with him and also be like, Hey, look at how well you've done for yourself. Like first officer of the enterprise, that's a big deal. So this happens. And Will Riker is none too pleased that his father is aboard. And he actually tells the transporter chief have security escort this gentleman to his quarters. And I was like,
1: dang, (laughs) I was like, like, ouch. (laughs) He didn't even want to say like, my dad or Or Mr. Riker or or him or any attache, like this gentleman, like this thing, get this thing out of my sight. Yes. When I'm, if my mom and I are
0: speaking and getting a little heated, I will call her by her first name. (laughs) That's how you know I'm like, listen, Olivia, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) It's like, which I'm sure pushes her buttons. (laughs) I don't know what you mean, (laughs) Cherise.
1: That's why you save it in your back pocket for the moment of your argument yes. when you Listen get really Olivia. heated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> so then she'll have to lose. She'll be thrown off her balance. <laughs> why did you just call me? Ah! <laughs> well, at any rate,
0: Riker <laughs> storms off and the credits roll. And then the next thing we see is Wesley... Oh, Wesley, you're so cute and I love you so much, <laughs> but you are so annoying in this episode. Oh my God. He's just like, he practically has springs attached to the bottom of his shoes and uh-huh. he's bouncing around excitedly. Like, what did you hear? Did you hear about Riker?
1: And his dad is here and he didn't even know. Uh, and like, if he's just going on and ar- listen, he needs some friends like that are not Klingons that are not androids that are not adults. Thank you. He needs some other 16 year olds who could care about the lives of the. Bridge officers, which is nobody, which is nobody. He just needs, he needs more gossip in his own age range. This was weird. (laughs) It was weird. And I kept thinking to myself, we need to teach
0: Wesley how to read the room. Because he keeps going Mm -hmm. into like main engineering while Jordy is like deep in work to like (laughs) ask him about some personal questions. In the Dauphin, he was doing the same thing when he was like swooning over that shapeshifter Mm -hmm. girl while Jordy was like, can you just get your effing work done and stop like, Mm -hmm. stop derailing our work with these conversations.
1: Mm -hmm. Poor Wesley is just, he's just so socially awkward. Yes, this continues his trend of picking the worst person to talk to about anything. Like whatever it is, it's always the, and maybe it's always Worf because in the default, that's exactly what happened. He was like, I need help with my love life. Let me go to Worf. No. Cut to Worf screaming like a banshee on the bridge. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how she, how she knows you like her. What? (laughs) Not Worf. And then he follows that by Jordy. No, not Jordy. And then he goes to Riker. You're just like, man this is like another example, like if he wanted to gossip about Riker, he should have gone to Jordy for this one, not to Worf. Yes. Well, he did go to Worf
0: and Worf just sort of figuratively just like bites his head off. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, Wesley was being a little much. He was bouncing around like Tigger trying to talk about Riker and his dad and their estrangement. Mm-hmm. How he knew about it, I'll have no idea. Maybe he was poking in transporter rooms <laughs> again and just <laughs> continuing the running gag we've got of people just poking their head in to see what the scuttlebutt is but mm-hmm. he he gets his head bitten off by Worf and so Worf is extra aggressive and klingon mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um it's a little puzzling for Wesley so he goes mm-hmm. to talk to Jordy about what just happened but of course Jordy's in the middle of a million things because mm-hmm. now the Starbase engineering crew is over here like taking apart the dilithium crystals right. or whatever they're doing mm-hmm.
1: it, that was Wesley now is not the time nope but in true Wesley fashion, he doesn't notice any of those social cues, and he just goes right ahead. Worf is angry. Jordy goes. Worf's always angry. No, he's extra angry. You know, and Data's just like, "Ooh, like I, I want to get in on this." And Jordy's like, I, "Like I want nothing to do with this." Jordy's just very much like, "Let's just leave him alone. <laughs> like let's not let's not rock the boat." You know, he's just a little upset. He already knows that Worf is just—he's just in a bad mood, and. Um, just Jordy's just not, not going for it. He's not going for That's it. That's a
0: smart move, Jordy. Do not fuck around with an angry Klingon. Okay. Yep. Just yep. leave them alone. Let them have time to reset and come back to that. Like circle back around, <laughs> just circle back around, you know, in like a day or two and be like, mm-hmm. are you good? <laughs> because Jordy knows what's up. Do not, do not get into that lion's mm-hmm.
1: den. And Data him. has no clue. So of course he's like, all right, what are we doing? Yeah, let's do it. Right? He's just got—he's got nothing. He's like slightly worse than Wesley, but not that much, which is a shame because Wesley's like a human. You know, so. I know that its really—it's actually quite bad. Like how, how poorly Wesley has the social skills of a robot. Yeah. Wow.
0: A newly a newly born robot, by the way, who like has a seven a-
1: year old robot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Wesley. All right. So here's a couple of things that I really like about this episode. We spend a a decent amount of time in 10 forward in this episode. And I really like that. I wish we would have seen Guinan bouncing around, yeah, but we didn't, but they're in 10 forward and Riker, we find Riker having a drink and brooding over his familial situation with chief Mm -hmm. Mm O'Brien. Um, and my first note was why is chief O'Brien in any of these episodes? He, <laughs> he he's a member of the crew <laughs> he, I mean he
1: is but he doesn't really he's not even really the transporter chief yet so he's just this like
0: hire a pal that he, just goes he around
1: the, he is the transporter chief he took over for
0: Terry Hatcher Chief O'Brien gets the shoehorn award for season two because <laughs> he just gets shoehorned <laughs> in everywhere and it's really <laughs> unnecessary we over- <laughs> him. Like you said, to do the like fancy transport footwork to like get someone out of a sticky situation. Otherwise, why are you here anyway? Union? I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't, his, I don't know why we're seeing so role, much O'Brien.
0: His whole sole role is to sit with Riker and 10 forward, watch <laughs> over uh, Picard's dead body, duplicate Picard's dead body <laughs> while the ship is at red alert and about
1: to go into a funnel of death. Like just, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was hilarious! Hey guys, what's going on? What are you doing here? Red alert! Get to your station, man. Red alert
0: means red alert. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh my gosh!
1: So we see Riker brooding with his his best friend, apparently um, <laughs> O'Brien. And O'Brien's trying to guess why Riker is down. Is it women troubles? Is it your work? Like, what is it? And so he finally comes to the conclusion that it's something to do with family. And just as he says that, Kyle Riker walks in and starts glad handing everyone in ten forward. So apparently. He's famous. And that just really chafes Riker because he hasn't seen this man or spoken to him in 15 years. But during those 15 years, his dad has made friends with everybody on the ship. So that's awkward. Yes.
0: he He's basically just this like super well-known and very, very well-liked person around the star bases, apparently. But that is a Riker characteristic. I think well known and well liked is something that the Riker men kind of have in common. Mm-hmm. I love that Pulaski sees him and they kiss and they sit down and and talk to each other and Will is like, what is going on here? Like I didn't that know was that the they the same
1: have- way. <laughs> yes. I was like, ooh. Yes. They had,
0: they definitely had a little past together. Um, but it was very friendly. And I also thought they're both dicks. So it works because they're like made for each other. They they both are just sort of rough around the edges, lacking in (laughs)
1: social skills, which is me. Yeah. (laughs) Although Troy says she's like the queen of empathy. Right. And I was like,
0: do Is you she? hear that? In yeah. Yes, 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 and so
1: she was like, wow, she's just the, just the master when it comes to having empathy. And I was like, do you remember the data data part? Like, <laughs> did we all forget that? She's super callous. She's just like, you're a machine. Who cares? Let's just shoot you out in space. Yeah. <laughs> Later in
0: this episode, Catherine does say like, oh, I'm treating somebody with the flu. And she, she makes that little Pulaski's chicken soup quip. Mm-hmm. And she follows up with saying, I like helping people. What can I do? And I was like, do you though? <laughs> I feel you, like, I feel like you. you're, you're a good doctor and kind of a turd elsewhere. Like yes. you're not,
1: you're not like mother earth figure trying not to at all. help nothing, nothing. You're not Guinan. So yeah, I think, I think they would have made a good couple. You're absolutely right. Um, so they're just like whispering sweet nothings to each other. And then Riker comes over and totally cock blocks his dad. He's just, I'm ready for the briefing now. I was like, um, <laughs> you couldn't let him keep talking. Like, it was, it was so
0: toxic and like yucky. I was like, ooh, yeah, it wasn't
1: cute. It was super petty,
0: not cute. Bad move. Yeah, it's a bad move. Let let the man talk to Pulaski. Let
1: them have their like catch up. You really didn't need to do that. That was so inappropriate. And then we find out that Pulaski has been married and divorced three times in her chit chat with Kyle, and she wanted Kyle to be lucky number four, or you know maybe one of the numbers in the middle. Um. <laughs> And I was like, huh, I never thought about Pulaski being married and that she was married and divorced three times actually does make sense because we talked about how she's kind of a dick. So it's like, (laughs) yeah, I could see that. But then she, she followed up with, but we're all still great friends. And I was like, "Uh." because Cherise, it's the future and feelings have somehow magically changed because I feel like the kind of person she is, she'd be a challenge to live with. And I could imagine lots of conflict. And then you're saying after you divorce, you're just great friends. Probably not. It would be a bitter, ugly end, I think. Yes. And you would both get into your separate starships and zoom
0: away in opposite directions, being thankful to put the miles between you two.
1: Right. We've got this whole Pulaski-Riker history. We find out more about Pulaski's past, which I found totally fascinating. And then we cut to the whole wharf situation. So Jordi and Data walk in while Pulaski and... Kyle are flirting. And Jordy's like, Oh, there's Worf. Let's go to the bar instead. Data's like, no, we need to, we need to go talk to him. We need to confront him. We need to help Wesley. And he was just like, Jordy's like, this was Wesley's job. Like he found the problem. It was his job to solve it. This has nothing to do with us. And data's like, but he had to study. And Jordy's like, wow, I can't believe you actually fell for that. Like, that's just something he said. That's not even true. And I thought that was, that was really cute. How Data's just like, but he has to study. He, he couldn't possibly study time. Yeah. yeah, he couldn't possibly do this right now. It's like, ugh. and Jordy's just still like really like backpedaling, like, you know what? We agreed to do this. We showed up here, but I'm good. Let's just have a drink and go back to work. <laughs> and Dan's like, we've got to say something like the, the data. You know, he's kind of, the, we need the data, right? He's mm-hmm. saying this is like a research problem. This is like yes. a social experiment. So he's like, we need to, the subject needs to be prodded in order to change all the stuff. And Jordy's like, be my guest. Peace out, you know, rest in peace for whatever's going to happen to you next. So Data goes over and tries to be all chummy and Worf figuratively bites his head off. And he just like backs away slowly. And he's like, you know, Worf is pretty clear that he does not want to talk to anybody right now. Yes. Yes. I love when Data says, we Care about you, like he's trying, he, he's like basically accessing his database and his trying for to interventions, it. Yes, Yes, and Warf says, Be gone, sir. Yes. I was like, I don't get you. I was like, did he just yell at his superior officer? And then he, he goes, sure sir, did, and I was he like, sure
0: did, and then he realized one second later, he's like, Oh, I just yelled at my <laughs> superior
1: officer. He sure did, and it was wonderful, it was such a good scream, and his was- head go- went whipping back. And it had to be Data, right? Anyone else would be very offended by that. Slash wouldn't do it in the first place. Yes.
0: there. Yeah. So that's clue number two, that something really is wrong with Worf mm-hmm. because he's, he's not the most like jovial person, but he would never do that. Yeah. He wouldn't be
1: disrespectful.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, something is totally wrong. We don't really get to find out what it is quite yet because Riker and his dad now meet for their, quote unquote, strategic attache meeting. And essentially, Kyle Riker just hands him like a USB drive and goes, everything you need to know is here. Mm -hmm. And Riker asks the question, I think everybody in the audience wants to know, why the F are you here then? Because this could have just been like dropped in the mail. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I could have gotten this over subspace communication Mm -hmm. and you really didn't even need to be here. And we basically find out that Riker has been on his own since he was like 15, which There's a lot of question marks there. And there's a lot of anger because Riker's mother died. And it seems like Kyle was like too broken from the pain of losing his wife to raise his son. Mm -hmm. But here's my question. Uh, One of the things they say is that Will was still in diapers when his mom died.
1: Yeah, he was like one. That's what he said in the last episode.
0: Yeah. So why were there 15 years of like just seems a little, that to me just doesn't seem to like make a lot of sense. Like
1: 15 years of horrible pain and trauma and all. It's like, mm. well, I mean, grief can take, can last for a while. And a lot of times with parents who've lost a spouse, they see their spouse in their child. And so that like their face becomes just like a reminder and a constant source of grief. So they can never really heal or get closure because every time they see their child or their child does something the spouse used to do or has a A look in their eye or smirk or like whatever. It just brings it back up again and again. So I can see him being in grief. Um, clearly he didn't use any of the counseling services available in the 24th century, but I could see him being in grief. I do agree with you that he, you know, Riker was like a baby and, you know, one or two years old. And then his dad raised him until he was a teenager. And then what happened to him? We don't know. And then they haven't spoken for the last 15 years because they've just been estranged. And it's kind of like, Why, you you couldn't see him all the way through to adulthood? Like yes, he says
0: he says says, spare me the pain of your childhood. I hung in there for thirteen years, and if that wasn't enough, it's just too bad. So you raised your son for thirteen years and then just let him like run away from home essentially. And also don't pat
1: yourself on the back for doing less than yeah. the bare minimum. <laughs> what yeah. you I'm, even totally, talking about? I'm totally not impressed by that. I, I wrote that in my notes too. I was just like, wait a minute. Is there a time limit on parenting? Do we really only have to be parents for 13 years yes. and then our kids are on their own? Like get out of here. And that- he said, I hung in there for 13 years. like, right. sir come on now that's bullshit. And that explains how Riker experienced him as a father. He experienced someone who's quote unquote, hanging in there. Yeah. That's not supporting him, nurturing him, helping him grow, educating him, Nothing. making sure he has friends, making sure he grows into a, a, a healthy and successful individual in society. That's him hanging in there, pushing through, forcing himself to, and, and Riker even said before, like he had to do all the cooking, all the shopping. Basically he became the wife. Yep. Um, And Riker Riker's dad just did work, I guess. But it's like, so did you really hang in there? Yeah. You were just, you were just a, you were just like a body. And while that was probably really hard for Riker growing up, there's this part later on where he's just like, you know, it should have been you instead of mom. And I was like, that's a horrible thing to say. Yes. Like, plus if you were only like one or two, you don't even know your mom. You're yeah. just saying that your dad was so horrible. Your mom was probably better, but we actually don't know if that would have been true. She could have been the exact same way. If your dad had died, she could have had the grief and the exactly. years of hanging on. It could have been the same.
0: So exactly for, okay, let's, let's back up just a little bit because I do want to get to that. They have this tense chat and they make this and Bojitsu challenge where, the, where Kyle Riker, for some reason, is like, Too bad we can't settle our differences the way we used to with Ambo Jitsu. And Riker's like, there actually is one uh, like on deck 12. So I'll meet you there, punk. (laughs) You know, and they kind of storm (laughs) off. Now here's, here's something, here's something silly. Troy and Kyle Riker have this very awkward setup. Thanks to Dr. Pulaski, where Pulaski is saying, I think you might benefit from talking to Deanna Troy and Troy mentions and, you know, she's like reading him based on his feelings because of sh- her beta Zed powers. She mentions she mentions that he's proud of Will and he's like, of course, he's just been offered his first command. Da-da-da. And I went false. We learned in Arsenal of Freedom that he was offered command of the USS Drake mm-hmm. before. So I was like, that's just a continuity error. Mm-hmm. But Troy puts him in his place so expertly. I loved it. She says will values honesty. And you should honestly consider why you're so competitive with your son. She calls him out on it. That's when they start talking about this and Jitsu challenge. And they're going to like kick each other's asses
1: because that'll make everything better. I feel like this is, this is like a typical guy, a guy move. Like this is something that men have access to that women just don't where if they just have like a really big issue with each other, they'll just fight. And after they fight, it's like, it's done like the argument's done the the whatever they were mad about is just over like and they move on and I, while i think that's kind of scary and dangerous at the same time i'm like man that's kind of cool cuz women have no mechanism for like releasing steam like that we will just hold grudges to the grave like we have no way to be like you know what let's just fight it out and then just it's done like we're done with it we don't go back to it it's like no hmm. we will go back to it again and again and <laughs> again forever
0: this is why women should also
1: just Anbo Jitsu, their asses off. Just man, I don't know. Out of each other. I don't know. We need something. But, uh, but yeah, that was, that was such a guy move where I was just like, yeah, that actually seems legit where guys will just be like, let's fight. And then after we've kind of got our aggressions out, we feel like, okay, like we respect one another and it's over and we don't have to talk about it anymore. Um, and so, yeah, so Pulaski sets up this conversation. I don't know if it was helpful. Then they go to fight <laughs> because that conversation was not helpful. <laughs> And I immediately was like, oh my gosh, these costumes and their big giant Q-tips that they're fighting with is 100% American Gladiator.
0: The q yeah, the Q-tips are called pugel sticks. But yeah, so well, we're, we're jumping ahead just a little bit. So uh, this is this is what I didn't love about this episode is that it's quite choppy yeah. uh, because we kind of jump now back to Worf's issue. Yeah. And uh, Wesley has figured out that it is the 10th anniversary of Worf's Age of Ascension, which is his like rite of passage as a man. Mm-hmm. And Data asks him like, what is the significance of that? And I wrote, you're a
1: computer. How do you not know what this is? He hasn't searched it yet. I guess he only, he like He only knows the information that he downloads and he only downloads stuff as it becomes necessary. And then he can never forget it. I guess. I mean, but if you ask him
0: a question about some distant planetary system, he'll be like, accessing, <laughs> accessing. And then he will give you the information. But yeah. he can't figure out the Klingon Age of Ascension anniversary. Okay, whatever. So they decide, like, they're going to help Worf out and celebrate this, even though you're supposed to have Klingons aboard. It's supposed to just be with family. But they're like, we're his family. And of course... Chief O'Brien is shoehorn <laughs> You are probably the
1: last person that would be Worf's family. Why are you here? And so is Pulaski, who I don't know if he's she's a big fan of Worf either. No, but yeah, that's funny. I didn't think about that. That that O'Brien was just. <laughs> <laughs> Troy's not there because she's not going to watch the violence. Yeah, but O'Brien's there. Question mark. Like, why is he <laughs> yes. here? Yeah. Also, why does Troy walk him to the holodeck if she doesn't want to go in? Why not just be like
0: uh, commit, uh, Lieutenant Worf to, to holodeck to two? the holodeck? Yeah, that's this, true. this is just something. That's so true. I, I do have a little bit of trivia about this Klingon rite of ascension. Um, pianist and Entertainment Tonight co-host John Tesh plays one of the Klingons in this ritual scene, having enthusiastically volunteered for the part. And I was like, that's kind of cool. He's this actor and co-host of Entertainment Tonight, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then I was like, you know, I feel like I in my childhood heard that name, John Tesh, but didn't really know much of who he was. So here's just a little bit I got, which was very impressive. He's won six Emmys, has four gold albums, two Grammy nominations and an Associated Press Award for investigative journalism. He sold over eight million records and his live concerts have raised more than seven million dollars for PBS. I was like, wow. this is a very impressive person. I'm feeling. And
1: he played a Klingon on Star Trek TNG, the crown of his <laughs> lifetimes of achievement. The, the jewel in his crown is that you were a white man playing a brown man Klingon <laughs> in
0: a holodeck. Like all the other Klingons. Yes. <laughs> Except for, Except for Warf.
1: yeah, yes. Except for Warf.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, So Warf goes through this ritual, which involves these Klingons with pain sticks Mm -hmm. prodding him. And of course, good old O'Brien is telling Wesley that those pain sticks basically cause like Mm -hmm. this two ton monopod's head to explode at the lightest touch. So we're like, Mm -hmm. bum, bum, bum. Mm -hmm. So Worf goes through it. He's gasping in pain, like collapses in
1: pain at the end, but he's like relieved and happy to have gone through it. Yeah. And it said, they said that enduring pain for Klingons is a sign of spiritual maturity. So being able to take the pain was like showing your character. Yes,
0: yes. So he's he's just been prodded by like twelve pain sticks for roughly forty five minutes, and Pulaski is just standing there watching him gasping in pain. No
1: tricorder. No, like hey buddy. Well, let's she get did. You. She was gonna rush to help him after his second hit with the pain sticks, and O'Brien held her back. Yeah, she she did move like when he was like ah and fell down. <laughs> she was like oh no, and O'Brien was like uh uh-uh. uh like stay right here. He needs to do this. I love that. O'Brien knew about this too. Of course. Of course he does. He knows everything apparently, but she still didn't have a tricorder. So I don't know if she would have rushed forward. I feel like she would have just been hit by the pain sticks. And my thought watching this scene was, wow, they've clearly turned off the safety protocols because normally in the holodeck, you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to actually get injured. Um, yes, yes. But here there was clearly some serious pain going on.
0: I just thought, shouldn't she have at the end of all of it? It's like, great. You've made it past like the ritual. Let's just, you know, here's an aspirin. Let's just get you to like, you know, sick bay and just kind of check you out and make sure your innards are not all exploded like popcorn or something. Like, mm-hmm. let's just make sure you're okay. But there's none of that. So they whatever. Look at him. They
1: don't even help him up because no. maybe that's offensive. We don't know. Maybe. So they just stare at him while he's gasping on the floor saying, thank you. Thank you. And they're just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't maybe. mention it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Wesley went behind the like
0: the like stage grew up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just grew up in
1: the horror of watching all this. He's getting the worst education, still doesn't know basic Seriously. social skills. But gay for Worf, because this is why he was really irritated, is because he felt like he wasn't a man. And that's why earlier we skipped this part, but earlier he went to talk to Riker privately and asked if he could be sent on the mission. He wanted to go with Riker when Riker left because this was supposed to be a really dangerous mission. And so he was saying like, this mission is going to be dangerous. You could get killed. And I want to go with you because dying in battle is very is very glorious. And, you know, I, I want that. And Riker's just like, well, okay. You know, like I haven't made any decision and this is kind of random. Let's talk about this later. And it was like him trying to prove himself as a Klingon man you know, just needing to prove that he's strong and he's brave and he can take on dangerous things. And so this painstick, you know, uh, ritual of ascension or rite of ascension Mm -hmm. ritual was really important for him to kind of justify to himself that he is a man, a on man, and that he doesn't need any more risk-taking to prove anything to anybody. And he kind of was like, ah. I like that. I like
0: that analysis a lot because he does come to Will Riker and say- this mission that you're going to take on with the Aries is going to be very risky. And I would like to be there. So that sort of helped assuage that Mm -hmm. need to prove himself because he just sort of showed that he was able to like endure this pain and like that he has that spiritual and emotional like maturity and doesn't need to like do that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff anymore.
1: Although we see in the rest of the series that he still puts himself at risk all the time. Oh, of course, of course. But he's not as snooty about it. He's not as like, Snapping at people all the time. He just does it more for fun. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> he just puts himself at risk for
0: fun. Um, okay. So now we've gotten to the climax of the episode, which is the Anbo Jitsu challenge. And did a little reading about this. Anbo Jitsu is totally made up sport, but in Japanese, An means dark. So like the blindfold and Bo means staff. And Jitsu means a technique or a skill. So blindfolded staff skill. Um, And then the banners around the area are written in Japanese and make references to various Japanese characters and shows. So that was a little Easter egg that the set decorators and the writers put together to kind of like pay homage to different like Japanese TV shows and characters that are like beloved.
1: That's cool. I like how they were shouting out like Japanese phrases as they were fighting. Yes. That was kind of cool. But then here's,
0: here's where I feel like the forced drama that was not necessary, started showing itself where, you know, they're doing this fight, they're hitting each other with pugil sticks and Will shouts out, you should have been the one to die, not her. Like number one, don't ever say that to anyone. And number two,
1: why would you assume life would have been so much better? Exactly. And also why is this the right time to say that? I don't understand. Well, because that's the point of the fighting. The fighting is to get out all the things they weren't able to say when they were in uniform and being professional. So that's the point of the fight is this is giving them the chance to say anything they want to say because their emotions are all up and their adrenaline is going. And so his dad responds with like, that's right. Get it out. Like, say everything you want to say right now. You know, this is the time. Yeah. But I thought that phrase was just horrible, but Riker's dad responds with, I'm no father and you're no son. You know, maybe I'm no father and maybe you're no son. And this fight is all we have left. And I was like, that's a good point because Riker is being a terrible son. But he's being a terrible son as payback for his dad being a terrible father, which means this cycle will never end. Yeah. And maybe all they do have is this fight left. And I was just like, wow, that's super sad. Like good to recognize that that's where you're at because then you won't have any illusions about Christmas dinners together or anything. But also it's like, gosh, what a tragedy. It's just like this relationship between the two of them never had a chance basically because of the choices that the father made and then Mm -hmm. subsequently the choices that the sun continued to make, to make sure that that distance remained. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I
0: agree. So I think that that is a good point to make. That's like the only it's, it sounds so dramatic and cheesy to be like, this fight's the only thing we have left. But I think it was good to point out, like we're kind of at the end of our rope with our relationship with each other. We've been estranged for 15 years. I'm basically here to try to patch things up with you before you take this super dangerous mission where you yeah, that, yeah. Where you could die. Kyle ends up beating Will by cheating. Surprise, surprise. It's so telling of his personality. Mm-hmm. Um, And then they kind of just
1: hug it out and everything is like, okay. Well, here's the thing. Riker, like Worf, is trying to prove his manliness, prove his independence, prove he can do it on his own and all this stuff. And that's what's pushing him to make the decision to take the Aries is because his dad's there and he's like, I want to He wants to prove himself, prove that he can do it and all this stuff. Well, their, their fight, you know, the dad says before they fight, like, oh, you could never beat me. And he's like, well, I've had 15 years of practice. And so basically, again, this is proving himself to his dad in the most physical, visceral, like obvious way possible. He has to win this fight. And then when he loses, it's just like, you know, dang, like I lost again, but now he realizes why he lost. And he's like, Hey, that was an illegal move. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. And then he's just like, well. It helped me win, didn't it? And he's just like, wait a minute, is that what you've been doing this whole time? Like 15 years ago, is that what you were doing all the time? And he was just like, yeah, that's how, that's exactly what I was doing. I couldn't beat you once you turned 12. I knew you were, you were better than me. So I had to cheat, which again, is that competitive? Like why the F would you compete with your child? I think that's so bizarre, but anyways, so he's like, yeah, like I knew I couldn't beat you years ago. So I had to cheat to like, keep you wanting more, wanting more of my attention, wanting to prove yourself, wanting to push yourself harder, all this stuff. And Riker's like, son of a gun, like all this time I've been fueled by something that's totally false. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to prove to you that I'm something that I already was when I was 12. Like I don't even need this. And so I think even though this is a really weird reconciliation, I think this is Riker's moment to be like, so wait a minute, I've been trying to prove to you something. I didn't even have to prove to you. I don't have anything to prove to you. Like I am an equal to you and this fight is over. Like this fight has been over. So I think that's kind of where the resolution was, where Riker was like, I, I didn't lose to you, you know, like, and I don't have to make you respect me like you already respect me. So I think that's kind of where the the buried the hatchet comes from. But then they don't really I, move forward from that. No. And I would be so pissed
0: being like, wait, <clears throat> so this whole time since I was 12, you have I've just been, been cheating. cheating to get me to want to like, it just feels like under such false pretenses, you're trying to get me to, I don't know, motivate you. Yeah, exactly. To like level up in some way. And you're absolutely right. Competing with your child is the most idiotic, bizarre thing you could do because you are bound to lose at some point, the older you get and the more in the prime your child becomes, Mm -hmm. the tables are going to turn and then you won't be able to beat them at whatever it is that and
1: that's your what you people. want. You want your child to go further. Yes. Than that's the whole point. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Like it doesn't, I mean, I'm not a parent. I have no plans to be a parent. So this is just maybe something I don't understand as much, but I, it just makes no sense to me. And I don't get where that competitive streak, like I could see siblings being competitive Yeah. workplace mm-hmm. competition, but with a parent, it's like, no, no, your job is not to compete with me. Your job is to like train nurture me. and mm-hmm. raise and train me. Exactly. Anyway, so they hug it out and everything is okay, question mark. And then we never see Kyle Riker again.
1: Nope, I'm <laughs> um, sure don't.
0: But Riker, <laughs> Riker decides to stay aboard the Enterprise. He just says, you know, motivated self-interest. It's best for me to be here now. But again, no real explanation. It sounds like he's just got like some fear of messing it up. Or something like he's got some fear of failure or something. Well,
1: I think that the only reason he took, he was going to take the Aries was to prove to his dad that he could, that he could like be a man, mm. but he proved it in the ring. So now he no longer needs to take the Aries to prove anything. It's <laughs> just, I'm sorry. That is just so dumb, like- it's super dumb, but that's what I think that <laughs> that's what I think the take home message was because the same thing happened with Worf. Like he was going to go on the Aries to prove that he was a man, but he did the right of ascension and proved it. So he didn't need to go anymore. Like, that's what I think that the the moral of the story was supposed Ugh. to be, is they proved to themselves that they were good enough and did not need to take on a dangerous mission.
0: I'm just eye-rolling so hard at this. Like, <laughs> this is something that you, like, you left Deanna Troy so that you can take this commission and become the youngest captain in Starfleet history or whatever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you have twice been off to, offered the captain's chair and twice have turned it down. Yeah. And And he basically just ends up being, like, Picard's right-hand man until he day he dies. Practically, And it's like, dude, come on, man. Which like, is
1: fine, but then like you're lying to Deanna Troy, like, and yourself
0: about like what you're your, about, like what about your emotions you are. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So here are some final thoughts I had on this episode. We both work as teachers, Sharice, and angst is something we deal with every day, and more mm-hmm. of than we ever want to deal with in our daily lives. So 100%. this episode, I was so over all the angstiness. I was like get it together. Like go to a holodeck, solve your issue, like do whatever you need to do, but stop like crying and whining and screaming and carrying on while you're supposed to be at your job. Like this episode was so angsty. It really bothered me. The one person who wasn't angsty was the teenager.
1: Like he was was the only one who was like helpful, annoying, but helpful. Yeah. Anyway, do you have
0: any final thoughts on this episode?
1: I, again, like I do like that. We're getting a little bit of backstory. It's unfortunate that it was so angsty and painful, not as painful as I feel like Troy's interaction with her mom. Um, cause that's like, that gives me anxiety. This did not give me anxiety. It was just gave me a lot of question marks, but I think it was nice just to get a little backstory on Riker and like his past, just because I feel like that's what ends up making the show. So juicy is that we know a little bit more about who these people are. Whereas in season one, we didn't know a lot about them. So we're kind of like, We don't really care what happens to them. We don't really know why they're doing different things. So I did appreciate the backstory on Riker and the backstory on a little bit of Worf, I guess, and on Pulaski. How about you? I do like the backstory
0: on Pulaski. Um, I am not surprised that she's been married and divorced three times. I mean, it's not a Pulaski thing, but it seems like a Starfleet officer type of thing. It seems that kind of that vein of like military service keeps people apart and makes relationships hard. But I was actually glad as like unrealistic as I think it is. Like, I was glad that she was like, you know what? I'm not sorry for the marriages I've had. They were great experiences. We're still Mm -hmm. friends. Like she was, she was actually great. And I feel like I've been maybe a little unfair about Pulaski because she is such a dick in some of the earlier episodes, but I feel like that's just the writing and a new character and you have to kind of flush out. The details and they're always rough around the edges, but Mm -hmm. I'm, I am glad that she's only the doctor for second season because I love Beverly and she's, you know, she's my main gal, but there are actually a lot of episodes in season two where Pulaski is not as like hateable as I remember.
1: Yeah, that's true, but we still have some episodes left.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, she's not great. That I'm, I'm, might change. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far as to say she's great. She's just not as awful. Yeah.
1: <laughs> as yeah, I no, remember. I agree. She's not, she's not as awful as I remember.
0: Yeah, yeah. But that's pretty much it. Um, Sharice, this episode, again, it's just very like, eh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but next week I think we do have a pretty cool one, uh, which is season two, episode 15, Pen Pals. I can't wait to talk about that one with you.
1: Yeah, that one's gonna be fun. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for hanging with us, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.